Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Another translation of these these two verses actually says that all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to meet Jesus. Can can you just imagine that? Not Not just some of them, but all of them. Everyone that, that, didn't, that, that didn't follow the religious you know, duties of the day, all the people that were looked down upon, all the people that were just morally um, just not good, they were all coming to hear about Jesus. And so if you're a church person, if you've been coming to church maybe your whole life or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and, and it's been a while since you've, you've rubbed shoulders with people that were far from God, you know, whatever trips your trigger about, uh, you know, people that, that don't follow Jesus, whatever just kind of like, you know, makes you kind of frustrated or whatever, guess what? These people, they were that. <laughs> Whatever frustrates you, whatever you look at the world and you're just like, oh man, I can't, I can't stand it when people fill in the blank. That was these people. These people, the, the notorious sinners, the expert sinners, the people that just, they demand they did it right. <laughs> you know, if, if you could sin right, they did it right. Not only that, Many of these people, the tax collectors and these, these, these people that were coming to hear Jesus, they were traitors. They were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. And so not only were they disliked because they were morally wrong, they were disliked because they had abandoned their own people. So these people were not liked at all. They were completely out of place. And so this is the context that Jesus tells this story today. Luke chapter 15 is probably one of the most famous, chap- one of the most famous uh, chapters in all of Scripture because Jesus tells three stories that are just amazingly profound and give us another glimpse into the heart of God. And so we're going to unpack each one of them today. But what I love is that in the midst of this kind of hostile environment, Jesus was completely comfortable because he was doing exactly what God called him to do. I'm going to just read through a few verses that that give an insight because Jesus was not shy about telling people why in the world he was on this earth. In John 6, 38, he's very verbatim about it. He says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will. Man, we've seen the will of God and the Father's will multiple times just in these couple verses. It's my Father's will that all who see his Son, everybody say all, all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So he's here, 
Jesus is here. He's doing God's will. He's out to save people. He's out to not lose anybody. He wants all people to, that see him to believe in him and have eternal life. That's what he's here for. Luke 19.10, Jesus says it in another way. He says, for the Son of Man, which is Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Very clear. He's here to save people. He's here to seek out, to be with those that are far from God. John 12, 27 gives another insight into, the, into Jesus' soul. It says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Man, any time that somebody says, this is why I'm here, this is my purpose, this is, this is what I was born for, this is what my life is all about, man, that's when you want to listen up. And especially when Jesus is talking, man, he's just going right at it, and he's not, he's not mincing words. He's saying, this is my purpose. He was crystal clear why he was here. And guess what? It was for you. It was for me. It was, for those, it was for those that are far from God. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, man, sometimes we just need to hear this. Everybody say everyone. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus knew why he was there. And that's why People from all walks of life could come to him. And he's not worried about the fact that the Pharisees and, and the, the people who were just so strict in their religion and were, were not comfortable with the fact that he was surrounded by all these different people. He didn't care because he knew why he was here. Now, before we go any further, just want to mention that, that it is very culturally inappropriate for us to tell anyone that they are lost. Have you noticed that? People love to say, well, I love Jesus because he's just all about love and, and you know, he's all about grace and, and he's all about just, oh, just love, right? When mo one of the most impactful chapters in all of scripture that Jesus is talking about, he's literally talking about people being lost. And yet we find ourselves in a day and age and in a culture where, where if you say to somebody, you're lost, they're going to look at you sideways and be like, who in the world do you think you are that you're going to tell me that I'm lost? You understand what I'm saying? And so this is the context. And yet Jesus clearly states that this was his mission and so we know just from, from the context of this story that many times Jesus is counter-culture. He's spending time with people that other people think he shouldn't be spending time with. He's telling people things that they don't want to hear. And I believe the key is not to just tell people that they're lost. The as the church, you know, we're really good at telling people what they should and should not do. We're good at telling them that they're lost. But, but we need to be a part of the rescue mission like Jesus was. 
rubbing shoulders with people that don't know Christ, getting close to them, sharing stories, and, and, and building relationships just like he did. And so Luke 15 gives us just a little insight as to what that looks like. Because if you are anything like me, and it comes to that time where, hey, it's time to share your faith, you probably have just a little bit of apprehension, and you're like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I'm not going to have all the answers, and I just feel a little lost, right? And so let's dig into this chapter today and know from the get-go that wherever you are and whoever you are, Jesus is trying to get to you. Some of you need to hear this today because you, you might have walked in today and, you're, and, you're, and this is like your last-ditch effort. If there's a God, man, he better make himself real to me today because you're just not sure. Maybe you're watching online today and you're just searching and you're just, you're hoping that something today will give you guidance as to why in the world you're here in life and what in the world you're on this earth for. And maybe you just need to hear today that whatever, whatever situation you're in in life, Jesus is trying to get to you. And so the first thing that we see in Luke chapter 15 is that God is chasing you. God is chasing you. And so it says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? And I love Jesus is asking these questions and it's like right off the bat, he's drawing people in. And it says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one who, that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So if you're in the crowd of, of notorious sinners and if, if you're in the crowd of, of, of Pharisees and, and so you, you're, you're in the crowd, man, you're, you're trying to figure out what in the world is Jesus trying to tell us? Well, what Jesus is trying to tell you and me, those that are in the church and that those that are out of the church, what he's trying to tell us is that if you are lost, God is chasing you. He's out to find you. Now, what is this definition of lost? Because in each of these stories, we see a little bit different angle into the heart of God towards you and me when it comes to us being lost. And so when he tells the story about sheep, he's referring to the fact that sometimes sheep, they just get lost. And it, and it might not be intentional. It's just because maybe they were distracted. They, were, they saw something bright and shiny and they wanted to go check out what it is. Maybe they thought to themselves, man, this patch of grass where the shepherd has led me is not very tasty. And I'm gonna go over here and try this, this stuff. But here's what we know is that sheep, they may or may not know that they are lost until they're in real trouble. You know what I mean? It's like they're just going about their day. They're going about their business. They didn't mean to get lost. There was no malicious, you know, attitude or ill intent. They just got lost. You know, I'm not sure that I've ever heard a story of somebody who got lost on purpose. Have you? 
where it's like, oh, no, I'm meant to get lost. Well, if you meant to get lost, then you're probably not lost, right? You probably know where you are. You know how you got there. And, and you probably don't need a map to get back because you intentionally got there. No, Jesus here in this story, he's talking about the people that they didn't mean to get lost. They just found themselves wandering through life and all of a sudden looked around and said, I have no idea where I am. I don't know why I'm on this earth. I don't know why God put me here. Why did God make me the way I am? Why did God put me in the family that I'm in? I am lost. Maybe the sheep was enticed. Maybe it was drawn away. And in hindsight, after the sheep got lost, he probably starts to think, what in the world am I doing? I, I can't even remember the last time that I saw the shepherd. And so spiritually for you and for me, man, there are people in this world that, that man, they just got distracted by a shiny object by a thought or an idea, or as they grew up, they saw things happening in the world, and they didn't mean to, 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 to go away from God's will. They just found themselves lost because of their desires, and, their, and, and, and they, they look around, and they're like, how in the world did I get here? And if you feel that way spiritually today, and you got here today, and like, how in the world did I get so far from God? How in the world did I find myself in this pickle? How in the world did I find myself just completely lost? And you know you're lost. You know, Jesus might be talking about you in this instance. And you would want to be found. You want God to find you. And so to know that God is looking for you and he's not going to stop until he finds you might be the most encouraging thing you've heard in a long time. And what that should say to you and to me this morning is that no one is disposable. Not even when we're foolish and we wander away from the fold. We wander away from the flock and, and we didn't even get there on purpose. No one is disposable in the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't trying to say that believers don't matter. Right? Because he left the 91.9 to, to find the one. He wasn't saying that the 99 don't matter. He was simply showing us what our central mission is. Our central mission is to seek and to save those that are lost. To pursue them with everything that we have. One time, the, the uh, bunch of kids were at my house. I don't even know why. I don't know if it was, if it was a youth thing or if uh, just there was a party or, or something, but all kinds of kids were at my house, and guess what? They started to play hide-and-seek, and you know, we've got a, a, a fairly good-sized yard that kind of feels like woods, and, and there's a lot of good hiding spots at our house. It's, it's pretty cool. And so, you know, all the kids go and hide, and, and, and so whoever's, high, you know, seeking is, is finding people, and after a few minutes, everybody's found except for one person. And this one person that nobody could find might be sitting over here in one of these rows to my, to my left over here. And so it went from, oh, nobody can find this, this, this one student. And, it, and it's like, oh, well, let's keep looking. And everybody's yelling their name. And it's like, how many of you know the, the, the time in the hide-and-seek game when it's like, uh, okay, game's over. Everybody come out now. But that one person that just won't come out, right? And so, you know, we're yelling, yelling, yelling her name, yelling her name. And, and she's not coming out. And how many of you want to know after about 15 minutes, even after mom and dad have gotten involved, uh, the, the attitude starts to change. 
And it's not anger. It's not like, um, you know, what in the world are they doing? It's like, oh my goodness, we lost a kid. This just got real. This is not our kid. It's someone else's kid that is lost at our house. And this is not good. Like, where did they go and what happened to them? And if you're a parent, you know that all these scenarios start to play out in your mind. And, and you start to get really, really nervous. And, and, and you're just like, oh. And so we're searching frantically. We're turning over every rock. We're, we're looking everywhere that we could find. I'm, I'm, I'm like retracing my childhood. I'm like, if I was a kid, where would I go? And what would I do? And, and, and what could have happened? And after, man, we, we, I think Jolie even called the mom and are like, oh, we can't find her. We're panicking. And all of a sudden, somebody finds her in the garage in the back of one of our vehicles, just giggling. Just, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world. She didn't even know that everybody was looking for her because the car was kind of insulated and, and it was in the garage. And so when everybody's shouting, so-and-so, where are you? And I'm not gonna embarrass her this morning, but they, they know who they are. And um, where are you, where are you? She couldn't hear. She couldn't hear. She had no idea that she was lost. That's the kind of loss that Jesus is talking about here with the sheep. She had no idea, oblivious, until somebody came and said, we were looking everywhere for you and because you matter so much to us, we wouldn't stop until we found you. And that's God's heart towards you today. You might not even know that you're lost. Maybe even right in this moment that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and he's showing you how lost you are that you didn't even know you've wandered so far from God and you've gotten comfortable in your sin and you've gotten comfortable in, in, in whatever kind of lifestyle that you're living. But the Holy Spirit is showing you, hey, you, you, you might be oblivious to the fact that you're lost, but you're lost. And so just like we were looking for her, God's chasing you, he's looking for you, he's searching for you. And the fact is that we're all sheep. Isaiah 53, six says, all of us, like sheep, has strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. And so the sheep was sought, it was urgent, and God's looking for you in the same way. The second thing that we see in Luke 15 is that God, number one, he's chasing you. Number two, he sees you. He sees you. Some of you feel so unseen. You feel so unseen. Luke 15, eight through 10, it says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver co coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Like, yeah, of course, won't she? And when she finds it, she'll call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now you might say, well, yeah, if I lose some money, I'm gonna find it. And some of you might be like a coin. Well, it kind of depends. Is it a penny? Is it a dime? Is it a nickel? Is it, is it a quarter? Is it, is it some special rare coin? You know, that's kind of be the 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 
the degree to which you search for the coin, but obviously in this woman's life, she's only got 10 and she loses one and it's incredibly important and so she turns the house upside down. And I believe that what God is trying to say to you and me through this story today is that sometimes we get lost in the house. We get lost in the shuffle and maybe we, we slide under the bed and dust begins to just form around us and we feel like no one sees us and no one knows where we are. Maybe we feel neglected in, in relationship. Maybe, maybe people don't even know that we're lost. It's like, it's like, man, I didn't even know it was lost until I counted the coins and it's like something's missing. But I think that it's, it's important to see in this in this particular example that the coin was lost in the house in the house sometimes people within our own circle one of our kids one of our family's kids one of our brothers or sisters maybe even a parent somebody in the, is lost in the house you know, maybe somebody that used to come to this church and used to follow Jesus, but, but somehow they got lost along the way. And we don't know how they feel. We don't know what's going on in their heart or in their life, but something happened and they got lost. I just want to encourage you today. You might feel lost, unseen, misplaced, somehow even though you were in the house, maybe you grew up in church, you just found yourself in a place where nobody even knew where you were at anymore. Maybe you're hiding it. Maybe everybody thinks everything is fine, but deep down in your heart, you know that you just feel lost. Maybe you grew up in a broken home, like you didn't choose the home, but you just gotten lost in the shuffle there. Maybe you're the only believer in your household and, and it just feels like no one sees me. No one really knows what I'm going through. Maybe you're in a dead-end job or in a season of life where you have few to no friends. Maybe the busyness of life has just caused you to drift away. Maybe you just feel isolated. Maybe someone put you somewhere that you didn't choose to be, and maybe you've been abused or, or hard words have been spoken to you. Maybe you're a young person and you've been bullied. And maybe it's no one's fault but you just got lost in the house. And because of your isolation and because of these circumstances that have happened to you in life, you found yourself far from God and even questioning your faith. And I just wanna remind you today that nothing good grows in the dark. Nothing good happens when you're just, when you're apart from people and you, you're kinda emotionally isolated yourself and, 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 and when you're lost, even when you're in the house, even when you might be surrounded by family or church friends or, or whatnot, you know, because you're not letting anybody in, the devil gets a foothold and begins to lead you astray and you're questioning your faith and you're doubting. Let me encourage you with this psalm today. Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And so when you get lost in the house and you feel like no one sees you and you feel like, man, you're just, you've been swept under the rug and no one even knows that you're there. God sees you.
He sees you. And he's going to turn over every piece of furniture. He's going to sweep the entire house. He's going to get out that spiritual broom because he cares about you and he wants you to be found. God sees you. He loves you. And you're welcome home. It's time to be found. It's time to be found. The third thing that we see from this story, so number one, God's chasing you. Number two, God sees you. And number three, God is waiting for you. Luke 15, 11 through 13, it says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father. And so right off the bat, see, this, this just got personal because in the first, it's like a sheep and a shepherd, and so that's not a family relationship. And in the, in the second story, there's, a, there's a, a coin. It's like, okay, it's a piece of property. It just got real. This is somebody that's in the family, So a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted his money in wild living. And so basically, the son is saying to the father, I want what you have and what you've given me, but I don't want you. And sometimes we know the gospel. Maybe we even made a choice to follow Jesus at at a younger age or at some point in our life. But at some point we say to God, I want all the good things that you give me. I want you to bless me financially. I want you to to give me prosperity. And I want you to, to just put this covering over my life. But I don't want you. And we treat the gospel and God's word and the Bible like a buffet. And we're like, ooh, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Oh, but that stuff, nope, I don't want that. That's basically what the prodigal son is doing here. He's saying, I, he's saying God, I want, I want these good things that you have to give me, but I don't want the hard stuff. He took what was precious, and he wasted it. Why? Because the son thought that he knew better. And the crazy thing is that you and I, we can't see that what we're doing when we pick and choose what we want to follow in God's word is the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden, that the prodigal son did in the story, that God, I want the good things you have for me, but I don't want the rest of it. I don't want to submit to your lordship. I don't want to let you call the shots. I want to go be my own boss. This is the same thing that people have been doing since creation, thinking they know a better way. And so the difference here in the prodigal son story is that we're talking about willful, knowing disobedience. He was a son. He was a part of the family. He, he, so we could say that this, this, he was a believer, And he willfully and knowingly chose to leave the family and do his own thing. He's a prodigal. The word prodigal means recklessly extravagant, characterized by wasteful expenditures and lavish living. So he didn't just go live his own way just a little bit. No, he went all out. He left the faith. 
As we close today, I just want to point out some things. An important thing to notice in, with this last example is that the prodigal son was not physically sought after. But we know that he was spiritually sought after. What do I mean by that? Instead of physically going out and finding the son like the shepherd found the sheep or like the woman in the house found the coin, the father waited at home. He waited at home. He waited and he watched. Which, what does that tell me? He didn't just wait and forget. No, he waited and he watched. Listen. If you're running and far from God, and it seems like your family, your church, your people aren't chasing you anymore, it might not be as it seems. It could be that they know that you know the right thing to do, and they are praying their guts out for you, and they're watching to see what God will do to see how God might break your heart for what breaks his, to see how God would draw you to himself. They might not be calling. They might not be trying to convince you. They might not be conversing with you anymore about spiritual things, but they're probably interceding. They're probably seeking the Lord in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in your life. I want to encourage you today, if you're that prodigal, all it takes, all it takes is a trip home. One summer during college, I spent the, the whole summer in the Philippines. It was right before my senior year, and I was doing an inter internship, and it was the first time in my life where I'd spent that much time away from home. And. I thought I knew what it was going to be like because I had been there before and I traveled a little bit and I was adventurous and and so I went and and guess what life smacked me upside the head and for the first time in my life I was homesick in the worst way I couldn't wait to get home I couldn't wait I had this acute realization that I was not home and I wanted to be home more than anything else in the world. Guess what? My family wasn't coming to me. I was on the other side of the world. I had to go to them. And so when it came time at the end of the summer for me to go home, I... Uh, I got on the first flight there in Manila, actually first flight, actually I think it was four flights, so from a little island in the southern Philippines up to Manila, and then from there I, I hopped a flight to, um, I think, Tokyo or Taipei, and then from Taipei to Los Angeles, and Los Angeles to Minneapolis, um, and, and guess what? As soon as I got to Manila, every single flight along that journey, God blessed me by getting standby on an earlier flight. And, and I started taking layovers that were supposed to be like four or five hours and turning them into like 30 minutes. Come on, somebody. 
And it's like with every step and with every, every layover that I beat, man, when I got to LAX in LA, I grabbed my luggage out of customs. I got to the front of the line. I got through there and guess what? I walked out and I was supposed to get on a shuttle to take me to the domestic terminal. But what did I do? I ran pulling my pull-behind luggage down the sidewalk, running all the way to the right terminal to get there just in time to walk through that gate onto that plane and get home, saving myself hours and hours. I, I think during that whole trip, I saved 12 hours of sitting in airports, all because I just could not wait to get home. Couldn't wait. Listen. This is the kind of favor that God wants to give you as you travel home, but you've got to make the trip. You've got to make the trip. God wants to, to roll out the red carpet. And when you get home, it's going to be like what happened in Luke 15, 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. God sees you coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And I want you to go home and read the whole story today. But the heart of God that we need to catch is that God is chasing you. God sees you, and God is waiting for you. And whether you're the, you're the one that you just wandered off on accident, hey, God's, God's chasing you. Whether you feel neglected and unseen and there's hurt in your heart, God sees you. Or whether it's time for you yourself to get up and to run into the arms of the Father, God's waiting for you. He's waiting. And the common thread throughout these three stories is that everyone is welcome back into the arms of the loving God. Stand with me today, stand, stand to your feet. Everyone is welcome back into the arms of the loving God. You know, there could be pieces of you in each of these three stories. There could be pieces of you in each of these stories. You could be headed on a detour, wandering away from God, maybe just starting your journey away from God. You could be you know, still stuck in just that feeling of no one sees you. You could be that prodigal, that you're, you're not ready to come home yet, but God's working in your heart right now. He's working in your heart right now. Wherever you're at, whatever your story is, in this moment as we respond to scripture today, could you just take a step? Could you take a step back towards Jesus? Could you take a step? For some of you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like you just turn around and he's right there with open arms, ready to just swallow you up and say, welcome home. For some of you, like that prodigal man, you've got to get up and, hey, it's going to be a, a little bit of a journey, but he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Wherever you're at, can you take your step? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.